This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to our May 14th, 2018 edition of Invest Talk. And this is our roundtable type discussion about managing your money, helping you make better money decisions. And we talk about managing risk and finding investing opportunities and giving you the right investing approaches to help make you make good decisions that will grow your money over time. Now, looking at the calendar, we are fast coming up on our May 30th webinar, just a couple weeks away. Yes, that's May 30th. 30th, it's our date for our wealth webinar. This is going to be free. It's one. It's a one-hour online educational event that will introduce you to two important investing tools. It'll be very interactive. Steve and I will be hosting it together. And we will answer your questions as well. They're welcomed, uh, hopefully, on the topic at hand, which will be fundamental and technical analysis. But we can uh, answer other questions uh, at that time. It is on, uh, now it's Monday today. So let's start out the week by inviting your questions about any money topic, anything that's on your mind. Whether you're new to investing or maybe you've been doing it for a long, long time. All questions are welcome. And I used to worry when I was uh, starting out on the air that I would get a question that stumped me. Uh, and I realize it doesn't happen very often anymore. At least I can give you some perspective on pretty much anything that you want to ask. Uh, and if I don't know, then I'll, then I'll tell you. Uh, but we're, we're taking live calls right now. So we want to hear from you. 888-99-CHART is the number to call. So here's a call that came in. Actually, we're going to go to a live call from Daniel in Orlando. How you doing, Daniel? Hey, man, I'm good. I'm just giving you a call about 3M. I saw that it took a pretty hefty drop back here from its recent highs. Um, you know, it's kind of one of the uh, dividend, arista- uh, dividend aristocrats, um, so to speak, mm-hmm. and just for a long-term position, curious to see what you think about the fundamentals. It looks like it broke a pretty big uh, trend on the upward and on the technicals, and that's really the only thing that worries me, but, you know, more of a fundamental long-term investor, so whatever your thoughts are. Okay. Uh, looking at 3M Company, provides industrial tapes, adhesives, medical and office products, surveillance and communication products, $122 billion market cap. So certainly uh, one of the largest uh, industrial names out there. Uh, and it has broken down. Its 52-week high is about $260 a share. Now it's at $205 a share. Its 52-week low, which is, uh, I believe, what it hit recently, was $191 a share. So it's 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 certainly uh, near the lower end of its 52-week range, about 20% off its high. It's Let's me look at, at some deeper stats. And if you're watching our YouTube live stream, uh, you'll be able to see this. Operating earnings yield is 5.13%, which is okay. But 
you know, I don't love that. It's not super attractive uh, at that level. Its dividend yield is about 2.6%. Its payout ratio is at about 70%, which is relatively high for a cyclical company, right? It's an industrial name, so it's very cyclical. Um, uh, like you said, technically it's broken down. Its enterprise value to EBITDA is 15 uh, and a half, which remains relatively high. Uh, in, 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 you know, we like to see under 12. So to me, it looks still about 20% away from a level where I would, you know, get excited about it. To be honest with you. Uh, now, what I would eye is its breakout area. What happens a lot with companies is, you know, they'll they'll consolidate for a while and then they'll break out of their range to the upside. And then when that upside breaks, usually the big support level is that previous breakout area, uh, which in this case would be somewhere around the the 180 mark. Maybe uh, the big one I think is around 170 which would be around that time where I'd say this is relatively undervalued. So with the downtrend firmly in place, I probably would still hold off on it because I don't think it's cheap enough. Uh, it's cyclical. We're late in the cycle. And I don't think there's major, major support until that 170, 165 level. All right. Would you say my theory, I'm a young man and I have a lot of years, I'm 26 years old and mm -hmm. My kind of theory is just to really find all these value stocks, you know, with good dividends and, you know, good fundamentals. Would you say that's probably the best principle over going for high growth stocks at this point in my life? Yeah, I mean, that if you look long term, long term, and that's what you're, ta you're, you're focusing on, years. is value, va yeah, value stocks tend to outperform growth stocks over the long term by about 4% annually. Now, over the past seven or eight years, growth stocks certainly outperformed, but now we're in a time where value stocks is where you want to be. Uh, money's getting tighter, so uh, the refocus on companies with good cash flows and dividends uh, is certainly uh, going to, that, that turn is going to take place over the next couple of years, and I think uh, this is a good time to be allocating money towards, like you said, value names, companies with good earnings, good dividends, etc. Uh, and 3M certainly qualifies. Uh, its return on invested capital over trailing 12 months is 17%. Return on equity is 36%. So it's a very, very profitable company. Wide moat. Exactly the type of name you want to be looking at. Now the question is, where do you want to get in? Now, 20 years from now, are, are you going to, is it going to look terrible to be uh, owning or buying 3M at 206 today? Probably not. You'll st still relatively uh, good price. You know, it's not super overvalued at these levels, but I do think the better value and you'll have an entry point uh, somewhere in the mid hundreds and that will be a better long-term buy, but you're looking at the right type of name. Awesome. Thanks for the Thank call, Daniel. No problem. Now, if you uh, are like Daniel, starting out and you're a beginning level investor analyzing stocks, then I think it'd be good time to uh, invest some time on the evening of the 30th. Uh, I'm taking, I'm talking about our free wealth webinar. Even if you don't know the difference between fundamental and technical analysis, I think you'll get a lot out of the webinar. Even if you do, I'm sure you're going to learn a thing or two. And you'll get up to speed on a long-term investor tool called Fundamental Analysis. We're going to discuss how to look under the hood of a company, not just talking about P ratios. That's very, very simplistic and frankly, overly simplistic. 
So we're going to touch on management structure, competitors, uh, position in the industry, revenues, uh, as well as what type of ratios to look at. You know, we talked about return on invested capital. We're going to touch on that. Enterprise value to EBITDA. We're going to touch on that. What do these things mean? And what? And, and this kind of information is vital to making good buy and sell decisions over time. Now, once again, this is May 30th. It's our Invest Talk Wealth webinar. We'll also talk about technical analysis, and these are uh, patterns that you have to recognize, indicators that you can use to figure out when to get in and out of a particular, particular name if you're just a trader. So we put this webinar together to be a good starter course in analytics, and it's our Invest Talk Wealth webinar on Wednesday, May 30th from 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time probably go to 7.30, maybe 8 o'clock at night. It is free, but you have to pre-register. It's, it's easy. First, go to investtalk.com, then go to the Invest Talk tab on the top of the page and click on Webinar, and you'll see the link to sign up. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm financial advisor Justin Klein. Like any endeavor, becoming, a, becoming confident in your investing skills takes time. You don't just learn it overnight. It needs to be a habit of you learning and executing. So you have to start with the basics, the foundation, and hopefully we give you that plus more on this show. And you have to stay in a learning state of mind. I'm always in a learning. I'm always trying to find what's the next opportunity out there, and you should be doing that as well. And you have to know about how to ask good questions, whether that's to me or to just Google. So please, please feel free to ask your beginner questions or advanced questions. There are no dumb questions on this show. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. We'll get right back to Invest Talk now. Your questions and comments are welcome, whether it's a stock or a strategy. Maybe you have a real beginner's question. Those are good, too. And remember, when we take questions about individual stocks, those are learning opportunities, too, for everyone. Because inside every discussion about an individual company, there are principles to apply to all. Let's go to Mike in Portland. How you doing, Mike? Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Um, hey, Thanks for making it. The question it. I have is, is um, you know, the, the market's kind of volatile right now, and but, but you guys preach not, not running or shunning the market but staying in. But then I get the newsletter, and you guys are predicting S&P to be at 2,500 or 2,600, somewhere in there by end of year, which is downward. So I... It, that seems mm -hmm. inconsistent. Um, so I'm kind of won wondering why just always, you know, why not pull out for six months when it looks kind of questionable and wait for a, a sunnier day to put back in, uh, especially like when you guys are predicting the market's actually going to be down toward the end of the year. Well, that all depends on uh, uh, various factors. Uh, you, you, what's, your, what's your risk tolerance? What's the strategy you're deploying? 
Um, and what are the opportunities out there uh, in the marketplace? Uh, you know, we, we, we are predicting the market uh, will be roughly flat for the year. Uh, we're, 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 you know, it's, it's barely up now and barely down. You know, it's going to be choppy. We're expecting a lot of chop this year. The market is uh, adjusting to a different regime, a liquidity regime from central banks globally. Um, you know, but uh, I, I, I always preach is what is what is your strategy? Uh, are you and what is your time horizon? And that's part of your strategy, right? So uh, are you uh, what's the, the, the upside is certainly uh, the market in the near term is probably not nearly as high as uh, the potential downside. So I, I don't have any problem with you reducing your exposure, uh, being a lot choosier in the positions that you do hold. Um, so I have no problem with that, Mike. Yeah, okay. That's, it's just, when, it, when I hear more, I guess it's like when somebody's making a general statement, they say, don't get out of the market, don't get out of the market. And it seems like, depending on what your strategy is, it might be a good time to get out of the market just to avoid the psychological uh, ups and downs and, uh, and uh, yeah, and just sort of wait for the storm to clear, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, and then that depends on are you investing in mutual funds or in ETFs or are you investing in individual names? Uh, you know, in every market, there's opportunities. We're always finding some opportunity for clients in every market. Uh, now, if you are stuck within a 401k, for example, uh, and you can only buy mutual funds and index funds, then you are going to be broadly exposed to the markets uh, no matter what you buy and cash can be can be king in those situations uh, but yeah. you know for us in in different strategies we have we can find great pinpointed opportunities of companies that are very cheap, pay good dividends, have good cash flows, uh, and sometimes maybe uh, another strategy we write covered calls on them, and that can hedge on the downside of the market as well. So uh, that's uh, a strategy that I think is 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 very applicable for today's choppy market. Yeah. Okay. That's perfect. That's. I mean, yeah. Most of my money is in the four hundred one k. So that's why well, it doesn't make sense for me. But I see what you're saying. It could be a little bit more. Uh, fluid or fleet of foot, so to speak, with individual stocks. So, okay, great. Thanks. Exactly. Thanks for the call, Mike. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. If you haven't attended one of our webinars and you have questions about it, give me a call. Maybe you have a question about any money matter. It could be a sector, a stock, uh, bonds, uh, an asset class, real estate. We have time for your call. It's our anytime number at 888 99Chart. Let's get back to Invest Talk, made possible each day by KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. To learn more about the variety of KPP's investment programs, go to investtalk.com, click on the Investments tab. Now, let's hear your question on Any Money Matter, 888-99-CHART. Now, our main talking point today can be understood with just three words. Silver may shine. Silver has been kind of sleepy since its 2011 peak. Kind of with gold, but even more sleepy than the gold. 
uh, gold price. But there are some fundamental factors supporting a bullish outlook. And this goes with our theme of commodities are a good place to be. So we're going to talk about silver. But I have some other things on my mind. There's a, we've talked recently about how emerging markets from a valuation standpoint are the most attractive asset class in the equity markets today. Uh, and uh, from, from a long-term perspective, you know, short-term things can, can uh, certainly change. However, there are three main factors that will affect and can affect and likely do affect these markets or these countries, emerging market countries, and that is the Iran nuclear deal, tariffs uh, on China and, and NAFTA changes, etc., as well as rising interest rates. And they all have varying effects based on varying factors. And I'm going to talk about uh, which ones are the most vulnerable and which ones might be the least vulnerable. So we're going to discuss those. Also, when buying a home is and isn't a good investment. I'm going to talk about the variables that you should think about when deciding whether you should buy versus rent. Uh, and the old-fashioned argument always is that when you're renting, you're throwing money away. But there's, uh, it's, it's more nuanced than that. Uh, and we're going to talk about what that means and those variables. And then lastly, China's stock market uh, indexes are changing, and I'm going to use this as a good way to show why you need to, what you need to understand about indexes, indexes, and why indexing isn't the same as you think it is, because the holdings within the index change, and it's not a static uh, set of companies that you're investing in. Uh, and this goes for pretty much every index. So we're going to talk about that. So those are things that are on my mind for today. But ultimately, I want to hear from you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is the number to call right now and ask your question. <clears throat> Let's take a look at the markets today. We had a pretty flat day overall. Uh, the index didn't indexes uh, broadly closed positive, but very, very modestly. Uh, the S&P was up. I, I'm trying to load the chart here, uh, but it was uh, barely up. And uh, after, you know, we've had a streak of, of gains recently, uh, and I think the market is overpriced as well as overvalued, uh, but it's uh, uh, overbought, shall I say, is a better term. Uh, and I think we're going to either consolidate and attack new highs, or we're going to roll back over probably in short order. And I've talked about the theme of late in the month where markets tend to weaken because central banks, and especially the Fed, is reducing holdings, and that's weakening the market overall. So the SP closed up two, the Dow closed up 68 points, the Russell closed up three, and the NASDAQ closed up eight, the NYSE closed up 10. So about one tenth of 1% gain on the overall indexes. Now let's get back to our 24 hour anytime line and pick up a question at 8899 chart. Hi, Steve, Justin, this is Sanket uh, from Boston. Uh, love your show. I uh, just wanted to check with you what uh, what you feel about Thermo Fisher, ticker symbol is uh, TMO. What might be a good um, uh, entry point uh, for, for this particular stock and whether um, I should even think about it. Again, ticker symbol is TMO, Thermo Fisher. Thank you. All right, he's looking at Thermo Fisher Scientific. TMO is the symbol. 
Uh, they're in the medical research equipment services uh, industry. Uh, they sell a lot of the uh, products that are used in R&D, especially in the medical space. I won't go into the big names specifics, but that's that's pretty much what they do. Yields 0.3%, so not a big dividend yield on that front. Uh, its return on equity is 16%. Earnings are expected to go up 15% this year, 11% next year. Last quarter, revenues were up 23% year over year, and earnings were up 20% over year over year, and that is an accelerated number. Those numbers are the highest they've been over the past two years. So their business is certainly strong, and the chart is certainly strong. Uh, its 52-week low is a $169 a share, and it's trading right near its 52-week high at $217 a share. Uh, at the close today, 217.41. Uh, so it's certainly uh, strong uh, from a business perspective. It's strong from a chart perspective. It has been kind of consolidating here uh, since a spike in call it February, March of this year. So I like the consolidation pattern in general. Its return, its operating earnings yield is 3.73%. That's not super high. Um, its return on invested capital, it, 12 months, is only 5%. Hmm, has about $20 billion in debt on, uh, let's see, what is its free cash flow? Negative free cash flow, I don't like that. You know, I don't love it here. Uh, it's trading at enterprise value times EBITDA, EBITDA is 20, so it's certainly expensive. Uh, you know, this is a momentum name. It, it Technically, it's strong. I like the, the chart pattern, it remains relatively strong. Its earnings is strong. But it's certainly not cheap. So, uh, is can it grow into those? Absolutely. Um, but you know, I think I kind of give it a five out of ten based on the earnings. Our podcast continues, but first, a reminder about our upcoming webinar. There are two tools that serious investors can't do without: fundamental and technical analysis. We get a lot of calls from people who want to know how to analyze companies. These two techniques kind of help you look under the hood. There's competitors, there's positions in the industry, revenues, income. And but you can't analyze stocks with fundamental analysis alone. Shorter-term traders rely heavily on technical analysis. That shows patterns. There are trend lines and, and, and moving averages. It's not as complicated as it looks. It really isn't. Join Invest Talk's Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for this free live webinar Wednesday, May 30th at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. So we're going to pack a lot on this webinar. I hope you can join us. It's May 30th and it's free. Using fundamental and technical analysis to take your investing to the next level. All you do is register. Just go to investtalk.com. That's investtalk with two T's and investtalk.com and click on the invest talk tab this is invest talk here to help you find answers see you through the decision making process and right now justin is ready to answer your question 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Art in Menlo Park. How you doing, Art? Good, Justin. How are you today? Fantastic. What can I do for you? 
Yeah, I just wanted to find out um, if you've heard of uh, any of the uh, new tax plan regarding the um, 250000 if you're an individual or 500000 if you're married, if you rent your uh, residence out before you sell the house. Have you heard that uh, they cut into the, uh, the, the uh, tax-free amount that you'll receive? You mean the exemption for capital gains if you've lived in the house in two of the last five years? Yes, if you rent it out before you sell it, though. Uh, the, the qualification is that you just have to have lived in it as your personal residence in two of the last five years. So you could rent it out for a couple of years, but as long as you've lived in it in two of the last five years, you can sell it with that capital gains exemption. That hasn't, from my understanding, hasn't changed. Oh, okay, because I, I actually heard that uh, that's changed because um, if you rent it out, then you have to, um, I guess, uh, prorate it over a, uh, I think it was 25-year period, and then uh, go from there. You'll get less than the 250 or the 500. So I, I was just wondering if you've heard any, any difference. I have not heard any details on that, to be honest with you. Uh, that's that's news to me, but I'm definitely going to look into it. Thanks for thanks for letting me know. Uh, I, I haven't heard that, but I will definitely do some research. Okay. Thanks a lot, Justin. Thanks for calling, Art. I think that transitions well. Well, well we have another real estate talking point, but I want to get to our main talking point, and that's about the silver market and currently the net short position by money managers has touched a record earlier this month of net short 39,604 contracts on the Chicago silver futures market which is which is a record now uh, this is uh, not a, a sign for me to be bearish of the metal because typically those money managers aren't that good. They're not. They're, they don't. They don't. Uh, they're not a good indicator of the future price of silver or, or pretty much any of the futures markets. Typically, the commercials and how they're positioned tend to be the the best indicator, and they're actually bullish. Now, there are some fundamental factors also that are supporting silver, uh, the silver market, the bullish outlook at least. Mine supply, which increased 13 consecutive years through 2015, fell for the second consecutive year in 2017. So you have supply down. Now, industrial demand, which consumes about 60% of the world's silver, registered its first rise since 2013. And that is because they go into a lot of photovoltaic cells, solar, solar panels, right? And I don't know if have you heard uh, the there's a mandate now that all new homes are going to need solar panels uh, in in California. So that's certainly going to increase demand there. Now silver supply and demand from non-investment uses are both heading in distinctly bullish directions, and that's why silver is uh, looks like an attractive uh, an attractive area to allocate capital currently and you'll say well what about gold and silver has a reputation kind of as the poor man's gold and they tend to move relatively in tandem never step by step but relatively now so far this year however gold is up about two percent where silver is down about three percent 
And there's usually a typical ratio of gold and silver prices. And the ratio between them has only broken above 80 briefly. That means <clears throat> right, the ratio between gold, which is obviously a higher price, and the price of silver. And it's only broken above 80 on three occasions in the past couple decades. And it's back up to those levels again, which tells me that if you're looking at one or the other, silver is relatively undervalued compared to gold. Now, I think they're both undervalued. I think they both have uh, their attractiveness. Uh, but if I'm picking one or the other, I'm picking silver for various reasons, both supply and demand, as well as that gold and silver ratio. 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, do you need help with your 401k? Now, we found a way to put the portfolio management you need within reach so you can get the help you need to make the most of the limited cho choices within your employer's plan. This goes for 403Bs and TSPs, uh, etc., any uh, employer-sponsored plan. And we have active 401k for this. It's from KP Financial. And it gives you the guidance that you need and when, uh, when you should make changes. It gives you a recommendation quarterly on how you should be allocating your 401k, 403b, TSP, etc. <clears throat> uh, in relation to the current market trends, in relation to the choices that you have, as well as the risk tolerance that you have as a person, personal risk tolerance. So it keeps you current on what's happening in the market. If you didn't make any changes in it, how could your retirement portfolio get out of balance? Well, let's say your balance was 60% in stocks and 40% in bonds. So if the stocks really perform well over the last six months, let's say, and their value increased, they could balloon to 80% of your portfolio's value, and that could open you up to much more risk. Got questions about rebalancing your portfolio? Check in now, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I have a question about short-term safe investments. At the beginning of each year, I put about $20,000 in saving accounts for property taxes, which are due next year, January. I would like to invest that money so I can have some gains on that. Can you help me decide where I can put that money? Uh, I'm usually a long-term investor. For this money, I am looking for short-term gains. Thank you, and I will listen for the answer on next podcast. This is an easy answer. CDs, one-year CD. Uh, you put money in, uh, you need it a year from now. You want to match up that maturity date with the time that you would need uh, that particular amount of money. It needs to be safe because you need that money to pay your property tax, etc., and you want to earn something on it, and uh, it, you know it's going to be better than a savings account. I know it doesn't seem like a lot in today's uh, interest rate environment, even though interest rates have gone up a little bit. Uh, but you're you're going to earn a percent and a half, maybe two percent, something like that, on your money, and it's going to be safe. Uh, uh, you want to do it in, a, in your bank that's FDIC insured, and that is the way I would go. Very simple, very straightforward. Match up that investment or that CD maturity with your capital needs a year from now or a year from whenever you put it in. Hope that helped. 888 chart 888 We have about 15 minutes left in the show, so if you're going to get your call in, do it sooner rather than later. I want to talk a little bit... <clears throat> 
about buying a home and the conventional wisdom is that home ownership is a clear path to wealth uh, and uh, you've had home prices appreciate in general over the last 30 plus years or so especially as uh, not only incomes have risen but interest rates have fallen uh, so you get appreciating home values which I think that is going to that dynamic between uh, lower uh, interest rates and higher real estate prices has now changed right you have higher interest rates and that will be the the norm now as opposed to falling so that's something to consider that's changing uh, and but in, in in reality sometimes the smarter financial move when it comes to where you live and whether you buy or rent depends on many variables that are a lot longer than you probably realize. And uh, like I said before, the old-fashioned argument is that any money you're putting into rent, you're just throwing away. But as a homeowner, and I'm sure many of you understand this, you can throw money away on many other things like insurance, repairs, HOA fees, property taxes, and mortgage interest. And that's one of the big ones. You know, a lot of people... Uh, will say I need to they force their way into a home by only putting a few percent down uh, and they're paying PMI right Pro, uh, mortgage insurance which many times uh, can be thrown away as well even though a lot of times you do get a rebate uh, if you get a certain amount of uh, equity in your home uh, but in general you're still paying that interest and you're renting money if you're not paying rent on the property, you're paying rent on the money you can take to out to buy a home. So those are kind of the, the obvious financial factors, but there are others that come into play as well that are a little more subtle, such as a large down payment. Maybe you do put 20% down. That money that you could have used that 20% that down to earn interest or earn returns uh, that are that are better than home price appreciation like investing in stocks then you go to things like flexibility such as if you want to relocate your job it's a lot easier when you're a renter than when you own a home and it can become more complicated if you own the home there's closing costs of selling it etc There are other indirect costs to consider as well. Would an apartment be closer to work? Are you? I see that here. I saw that here during the the uh, bubble in the mid two thousands uh, in Southern California. Uh, there were the, the prices in or L.A., Orange County, San Diego were very expensive, and the inland area, Riverside, was a lot cheaper. Well, people were living out there, and they all the jobs. There's no jobs out there. Not as nearly as many jobs so a lot of people were commuting in to uh, LA Orange County San Diego and spending a lot of money on gas and the value of their time to do that commuting as well uh, just to force themselves into buying real estate also could you afford more home more something that you're more comfortable in by renting or in a place that you will be happier in say near the ocean 
typically the rent to own uh, ratio in areas like I live in Laguna Beach, California, uh, it, the, the cost to rent is a lot cheaper than it is to own here. So you can rent a much nicer place than you can afford to buy. So those are factors to consider as well. Then there's school district, proximity to other amenities, parks as well. So these are all things you have to think about. It's not just quantitative. It's not just qualitative. And there's a lot of quantitative factors that you don't really take into account. Like I said, mortgage interest, property tax, etc., that you don't pay as a renter. Now let's get back to our 24-hour anytime line and pick up a question at 888-99 chart. Hi, my name is Tiago from Lisbon. And I was calling in, I'm a new investor and I'm looking at um, some dividend paying stocks. And I have a couple questions. Um, one, if you could recommend some good dividend stocks for a new investor to start with and kind of research on their own. And then also looking at what makes a company or what, what kind of ratios are you going to look at for to see if a dividend stock is capable of repaying that dividend quarter after quarter or year after year. Thanks. I'll, look, I'll listen to the answers. All great questions. Uh, I wish I could give you a specific stock. If you asked about a specific stock, I could answer it. Uh, based on the SEC rules, I can't sit there and spew recommendations of particular stocks, uh, but I can't answer particular questions about one particular stock. But I can give you some overarching uh, factors to consider when you look at dividend uh, stocks and whether that dividend is going to be safe and sustainable. The first is cyclicality of their business. Uh, is this a Procter & Gamble, Philip Morris, uh, a company that tends to be non-cyclical, meaning uh, whether the economy goes up and down, their business doesn't tend to fluctuate that dramatically? Or is it an industrial name, where if you go into a recession, their business will ebb a lot faster than a consumer staple stock? right? Uh, so those are big considerations. Then I look at long-term profitability. What's the return on equity? What's the return on invested capital? How, are, how often do those fluctuate? How big do they fluctuate? You want those to be positive, especially double digits, okay? Then I look at payout ratio. How much are they paying out in dividend in relation to their earnings? as well as their cash dividend payout ratio. So earnings can be manipulated, but cash flows are much more difficult. Are they producing enough cash flows to pay that dividend? I want a payout ratio, a cash dividend payout ratio, below 70%. Uh, I want that even lower if it's a cyclical name. Okay, uh, With the strength of their brand, how sustainable is their brand? How, how much... Uh, how 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 strong are they in relation to their competitors? Can they are they going to get their lunch eaten over the next three to five years because another competitor is there to eat its lunch? Right? Think of BlackBerry and Apple. That's an extreme example, but you have to think about that as well. So when you're looking at dividends, it's not too much different than analyzing a company in general but there are some additional factors to consider. Hope that helped. 
Now we're down to our last segment of the hour. Do you have a living trust? What do you need to, what do you need to know about a revocable trust? Check in now at 888-99-CHART. Bring any money questions. Give me a call now. Let's get back to your calls on Invest Talk for this Monday, May 14th. When translated into dollars, European equities have returned nearly 18% over the last 12 months for Americans. Does the falling dollar mean investors should look abroad? That's the topic next time. Do you have questions for Justin right now? 888-99-CHART is how to reach him on Invest Talk. Now, last week, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell said that he does not think that them raising interest rates is going to put emerging market economies in peril. But if you look at the recent Trump policies, there are a few that are likely going to cause disruption in some of the emerging market countries that are out there. And if you're looking, uh, if you're watching on our YouTube live stream, you'll see uh, that I do have up a scorecard from Bloomberg, which I think is very, very interesting. And what they do is they ranked uh, 15 different emerging market countries, which like I said earlier in the show, uh, the emerging market space is uh, much better value than our domestic markets from an equity standpoint. Uh, but it doesn't mean that they're all treated equal. Uh, and they all have different vulnerability points. And uh, Bloomberg ranks them from protectionism, right, uh, raising of tariffs by the Trump administration, uh, as well as rising interest rates. And then oil vulnerability, the, the, the vulnerability of oil prices spiking because of uh, pulling out of the Iran deal. Now, what are the most, what are the countries that are most at risk because of these various factors? Well, the first top three are South Africa, Thailand, and Turkey. And uh, two reasons why South Africa are high on this list is because they have a current account deficit as opposed to a surplus, meaning higher rates uh, are a problem. And they import a lot of oil in relation to their GDP. And this uh, means that if higher oil prices come to fruition, they're going to be negatively affected. Uh, Thailand, however, uh, has a lot of exports. They export a lot. So if tariffs increase, they're vulnerable, as well as they do as well import a lot of oil. Turkey, on the other hand, has uh, the same South African problems. Uh, higher rates, uh, vulnerable to higher rates because of their exports, uh, sorry, uh, their, their net imports, as well as uh, their demand or use of oil. Now, what are the countries that are least susceptible? Well, that's Russia, Brazil, and China. And the reason is, is because Russia has a current account surplus, uh, as well as uh, uh, they, they produce their own oil, right? So, Oil, higher oil prices will be positive for them, uh, and they are—they don't have a lot of exports outside of oil. Uh, and Brazil, same thing. China, same thing. Uh, they do 
China does import a little bit of oil, but you know, uh, in relation to uh, where they stand economically, they're in good financial situation. And let's try to answer one more question before our hour is up at 888.99 chart. It's our 24-hour number. Hey, Steve. Carl from Philadelphia. You have a great program. Could you look up a closed-end fund, NHF, that's Nicholas Harry Frank. It's the Next Point Strategic Opportunities Fund. I'm looking at it for income, but any website I go to, it's not clear exactly what they do, what they're investing in. So before I do anything, I always like to check with you. Thanks. Bye. All right, this is a closed-end fund investing in below investment-grade debt and equity securities for current income. Uh, yields 10.1%. Uh, they would. I'd have to do a little deeper research, but it looks like they are investing in junk bonds. Junk bonds, which means they're inherently risky, probably high risk. Uh, and that 10.1% is nice, but if the value of their uh, the, the the bonds that they hold go down, that's certainly going to affect, and they likely are using um, they're using leverage as well. Uh, looks at their top holdings. Uh, looks like the REITs. They own some REITs. They own Twitter. Uh, they own uh, a lot of bonds. Yeah, I think this is very high risk, and I would not be owning it uh, unless you're willing to take a lot of risk for that 10%. Time then the hour. Reminder, Steve will be in San Jose next month for individual retirement reviews. Set up a time. Just go to investtalk.com. Click on the Invest Talk tab and then Portfolio Review. The date is in San Jose on June 6th to save your time. Just for that day, just go to investtalk.com. Click on the Invest Talk tab. I'm financial advisor Justin Klein. Steve and I thank you for making us a part of your day. Let's meet here again tomorrow. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.